Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Vinny. Right, so we are finally here with Dr. Bessie Fletcher. It's, uh, it's been a little road uh, to get here, but we got here. I know. I know. Don't tell them. It, it, it has been, you know, um, I always say when things seem to want to trip you up, you have to know there's something good behind it, because why would it why would the enemy want to trip you up when it's, you know, if it's bad, you know what I'm saying? He wants you to go into bad. So I always look at it. OK, I'm supposed to be here with Benny no matter what happens. You know, you've got to concentrate. And a lot of it was me because I have so many things on my plate, so many interviews to do. And I just get them mixed up and I don't have an administrative assistant. So, you know how it is. We got to juggle. And sometimes I'm and learning a new normal as uh, media, social media. This is an all-day job, really, just coming on, checking to see we got groups, mother and daughter groups here, mother and daughter groups there. I go in, try to look at it, try to say something. It really is interesting, but I'm not complaining, Vinny, because I could have not had anything to do, and I would have go crazy in here, you know, living in here by myself. I would go crazy, so I'm glad I'm juggling because it keeps me active and keep my mind going. So how are you doing? Yeah, no, you know, I think that's something good for anyone listening right now to really take away. I mean, yeah. we put so much stuff on our plates. Yes. And it's really about your schedule. I live and die by my schedule. I'll add stuff to it. And I look at my schedule. I go, can I add stuff to my schedule and make sure that I'm going to abide by it? Yes. Because uh, really the stuff we do um, goes in the time that we allow it. Yes. And so sometimes if I mean, you can do one activity, right? And kind of be all over the map compared to maybe three or four if you have it set up okay i'm doing this at this time doing this at this time doing this is this time and that gets us into our next idea you're a, a clinical psychologist yes right? i am mm -hmm. and, and you have such a hyper focus on the mother daughter platform like you have and you're telling me before there's like six different shows seven different shows with a kind of a mother dollar mother mother daughter kind of focus kind of walk me through that like different shows and all that kind of stuff wow I started out with this mother and daughter venture in 1999. Uh, actually, I got um, a, 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 a message from God. I was walking on the beach in 1997 and I just lost my mother. You were talking about, about my mother. Where's my mother in this picture? I lost my mother in 1997. I'm an only child. And that was kind of devastating because she was my best friend. She was, you know, when you're an only child, what do you say? You know, you, you're close to your parents, my dad and my mother. And I was walking and God said, I have one last assignment for you. And it's your last assignment. And I said, God, am I going to die? I couldn't understand that statement. But let me back you up just a little bit. I've been talking to God since I was five. So I understood what he was saying. I just didn't know what the meaning was. And God, and I looked out into the ocean and I saw a vision of women. At that time, I was a corporate trainer. I had gone in and trained women in public housing you all across the country. You know, I'm just corporate training. That was my love. That's what I thought I was designed to do. But in the meantime, no, God had another plan for me. And that was to minister to mothers and daughters. And when I said, what, you know, what does that mean? It took two years, two years, Vinny, 
And one day I'm in New Hampshire and I'm training a group of people and they went to break and I'm sitting there looking at a magazine. And then all of a sudden God said to me, I want you to create a mother and daughter bonding center. And I want you to create mother and daughter workshops and conferences. And I'm thinking, okay, that's not a big deal. I can do that. I do training modules all the time. But what it was, it was more than that. It's a ministry. This thing is 20 years old now. September um, 2000, uh, the 29th, 2019 was 20 years. I never knew that's where I was headed. I never knew that he wanted me to, to become a, a doctor in psychology or become an ordained chaplain. Those things were not a part of my plans, but I've been doing it. And I'm telling you, I would not trade it for anything. Anybody that knows me know I eat, sleep, drink, breathe mother and daughter. So we have different programs that have we've developed during the year, the years over the 20 years. The first was he had me to create the Mother and Daughter Bonding magazine. We created that magazine. Of course, it went um, viral, went around the world. Mrs. Obama was on the cover when they was on the campaign, um, several other people. And then all of a sudden it got where I couldn't handle it and the people wasn't managing it right. And God said, let it lie. And so then we went to workshops and conferences and things to that nature and then he talked me into uh, doing a mother and daughter crusade. And from the crusade, he said, you will no longer be mother and daughter bonded network. Now you're going to switch over to mother and daughter faith trust ministries. That was 2011. That's how we got that particular program. Then he had me to create a program that brings together 200 mother and daughters of faith. Never did anything with it until about three months ago. So we created the mother and daughter Bible college. The Bible college is designed for women that's in prison that's in the work release. So now it's an accredited Bible college. When they come out of the prison, they walk across the stage with an accredited degree in biblical studies or Christian psychology. We, this year went online with the college. Now the college is open up to any woman that has gone to school, didn't finish their college degree, but they wanted to, but because of money, uh, maybe the children, you know, things of life happen. God said, open it up to all my daughters and let them complete what they wanted to finish. And that was, you know, sometimes people get to the point where they say, you know, I wish I had to finish college. And they use that as, as an excuse. I didn't get to go to college. And they, that a lot of times that's a jealousy between a mother and daughter, Benny. That mother see the daughter going to college. She's progressing. She's doing well. And then she's looking in her mind saying, you know, I was supposed to do that. I, you know, and then th that those jealousies come out from another way. They treat their daughter differently because they're actually a little jealous and they don't realize it's a jealousy spirit. But this time we can open the, we have opened up the Bible college to any woman that want to finish her uh, degree. And we don't charge them for the courses. God said, don't charge them for the courses. Now, you know, that's a miracle in itself. But what we do say to them is that you pay the $99 to take care of your instructors. And we've opened it up so you don't have an excuse why you did not finish school. You, If you don't finish school now and get your college degree, it's not God's fault. So there's a, there's a, a lot of um, things to unwrap right there. So the first, I mean, the first question I have is, is when you're talking about the, that you talk to, to God, right? Or you talk to God, right? Yes. I mean, having the conversation right here, I know that, I mean, I'm having the conversation with you and I'm talking to you, right? Mm -hmm. I would assume, right? And it's, it's just an assumption that from talking to other people is when they talk to God, it's not the words, it's more of a feelings. Is that correct? Or how do you, how do you talk to, talk to God? Well, like I said, when I was a little girl, I could, I didn't know it was God when I was a little girl. I used to call it something. 
I used to tell my mother, something told me. But as I grew up, I know to me, when God speaks to me, I have to be in a place where I'm quiet or no noise around me. And I can actually hear in my belly, the pits of my belly, words. That's how I talk to God. It's a feeling, but I can hear him speak through my feelings. And, and, and I can't explain it in the pits of my belly. But I have to be in a place where I'm quiet and I listen. A lot, God talks to everybody, but we are so busy. You don't want to take the time. You want to talk to God. You want God to talk to you while you, you know, doing what you do. But God said, be still and know that I'm God. So when you still and listen, well, he talks to you too. I'm not exceptional. So I mean, is it the same idea when you talk about like for like Buddhists and people like that, that talk about the third eye or their kind of meditation and they have that, that being, that higher being, the higher person that's talking to them? Would that be kind of, I guess, the same idea or same way of looking at it? That would be a way of looking at it. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, so how, how like, is it, when you talk to that, to that higher being, right? You mean God, how often do you, do you have to go there? Is it, is it constantly looking at it? Okay. Let me kind of told me the path to go on next. All right. Now I need to build a game plan of how to get there. Or is it more frequently? I mean, how often do you go to that, that place uh, to kind of understand your path? I talk to God all day. I tell people that that's who I work for. That's all I do. I, I, I do mothers and daughters. I minister mothers and daughters. And we're in constant con concentration. I mean, we're in conversations all day long. That's that's my boss. That's who I work for. And just like with you and anyone else, he's my friend. I don't have anybody else to guide me, but the Holy Spirit that's in me from God. You know what I mean? If you think about it, we all are guided by a higher power. And, and so I just... Always just listen. And he just built me from a child to listen. You know, sometimes I, when I was a child, I wouldn't tell people that because I didn't want children to think I was different. But we all, some of us have a stronger sixth sense than others. And I've always been built that way. Um, that's why when I have mothers and daughters come to me, um, God knew he sent me for this purpose. We all designed for a purpose in our life. It's depend on whether you're going to go with what God designed you to do or what you choose to do. I chose to be a corporate trainer. That's what I wanted to do. And I just couldn't see doing anything else. But that was not the design for me. What I'm doing now is what I was designed to do, to minister to mothers and daughters. Now, when a mother and daughter come to me, and I've had mothers and daughters come in session with me that haven't spoken in 40 years, 40 years. And I'm, this, I'm not literally just making up something. And in two hours, it's like it never happened because there really isn't an issue between a mother and daughter or father or son. It's just communication. It's the lack of honest communication. Once you can understand that, it erases all, all, all thoughts of unforgiveness, See, I teach one thing, and this is what God gave me as the core, the intro conversation. There is an intro conversation that every human has. I don't care where we, how we look, built, shape, where we came from. We have one thing in common, and that's that ongoing conversation in your head. Everybody has it. God is talking to you through that conversation. The enemy is talking to you through that intro conversation, that, and you are in the middle. And those conversations are going, you have got to know how to look within that conversation and choose the right thing. 
When we make a mistake, we have made the wrong choice. We have decided to go with this part of the conversation. It's like a debate in your mind. So you decide, well, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to do that. Later on, you come back and say, wow, man, I'm glad I didn't do that. Something told me not to do that. That's something. Who's that something? That's God. See, you got to learn how to manage those intro conversations. And that's what I do with everything. I don't care if I'm in a conference. I don't care if I'm in session. I first get people to understand. If you can understand that you have an intro conversation, then you can understand that you can manage that conversation. Then you can manage 95% of your life. How do you manage 95% of your life? It's simply by watching the words that you put into the conversation. So if something comes to you in your mind, you think you thought of it, not necessarily. You know, it could be something you heard your friend said, or you read in a book, or you saw on television. Everything that comes into your mind is not something that you created. You have to decide how to, what I call, mind your mind. Well, I think, yeah, I think, uh, who is it? Uh, Dr. Joe Dispensia talks about the idea that by the age of, I think, 35, we're basically a, a computer program, right? Because we all the stuff you're saying is your friend heard it. And now every time you say, okay, this is why I do it is because I heard it from over here. This is why I do this because my, my dad would do this when I was younger. This is why I do this because this, and you're basically computer programs. So you have to change the way your, your programming works. Well, I agree to that. Yes. To some extent. And the reason I say that is because um, everything you hear it's deposited into your subconscious mind. Everything you see, smell, taste in your subconscious mind, that's your database. Now, when something comes back that's similar to that situation, your subconscious mind, like the computer, like he's saying, it'll go down and look for data. And then it's going to pull that data back up. That's why when somebody you see that you haven't seen in 20 years, but you knew that you all wasn't, you didn't leave on the best of terms. You know, I hate that guy, man. Every time I see him, it's just something good. You know what? What rolls up into your mind is that information that's in your subconscious mind. And it just comes back. And before you know it, you right back where you were 20 years with that same emotions, same feelings, because you're not, you're not managing your intro conversations. Now, how do you manage your intro conversations? How do you manage that from coming back up to be a negative? You got to talk to yourself and say, you know what, Benny? No, that's 20 years ago. I'm better than that now. And you got to change the words and change what you have deposited into your subconscious mind from the negative to a positive. And that's how you can forgive people. You have to make a decision to forgive people. What, um, I mean, going back to basically relationships and things like that, how was, I mean, I know your, your mom passed away. It's been, I mean, 20 some years now. Yes. I mean, what, I mean, how was your guys' relationship growing up being a, a only child um, with, with your mother? I had a great relationship with my mother. I, you know, my mother, I was, um, I was the type of person that I was raised that you can do whatever you want. My mother would tell me, she said, you have the power. The will, I was raised very strong by my mother and my father. My father, I was the boy my father never had. So my father was an electrician. So I, I was a tomboy. I ran the wires and I went with him on jobs and things of that nature. And, you know, my mother and I, we, 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 I would say we, I, I thought I could talk to her about everything and anything. And 
she was, I was yes, ma'am. I was raised with the yes, ma'am era. You know, if mother said something, it was yes, ma'am. You know, but I was always the one she said I should have been an attorney because I never could take something that she said without, if it didn't feel right to me, then I was going to debate that. You know, I got in a lot of trouble. I got a lot of spankings, Vinny, because I was always debating and challenging her. And so when I challenged her to the point where she couldn't handle it, she would say, well, because I said so. And that was supposed to shut it right on off. And I couldn't stand that. I hated that. Don't say because I say so, because that's like you chickening out. You're not going to give me the answer. So I would go to my room, regroup, and I'd come back with a different approach. And my mother said, now, didn't I tell you because I said so? I said, mother, it just doesn't sound right. I had to say it in a respectful way just to keep from getting punished. But I didn't realize until I was 48 that I was a yes daughter. You know, I tell people, I said, I was a yes. I didn't realize I was a yes daughter. Everything was yes, ma'am. Mother says, yes, ma'am. And when I told my mother, I had gone to school, had my own business, you know, the house, the car, you know, the, the things and, and done all the things that she was very, very proud of. And she was just, I was on a display and I didn't realize that. And I went to her and I said, mother, I said, I drove home and I said, I need to talk to you. And she said, what's wrong, baby? I wanted to tell her I was getting a divorce because I stayed in that marriage simply to keep her happy. You know, because she didn't believe in divorce. And, and, and I didn't realize it until I had taken so many psychology degrees and I realized, Bessie, who are you? Who are you? you you're going to be your mother? So I had to have the conversation with her. And my mother said, I'm thinking she's going to just wrap me in her arms and just, you know, I want to lay my head in her lap and, and have her say, oh, it's okay, baby. Oh, my mother turned a, 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 a 360. <laughs> She was like, oh, no, 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 no. You will not destroy my perfect family. And when she said that, I said, oh, my God, we're in trouble. And for two years, me and my mother had some conversations. But when I wanted to really bring it out to her, my mother had a way of kind of getting me, pushing me back. She started, well, I just can't take it today. Y'all just And then she go into that. And so finally I said, mother, you're going to have to stop it because that's not working anymore. I'm not going to stay anymore. And you have to deal with that. And it took her a while because she just couldn't believe that I was going to get a divorce. She finally got over it, but I don't think she ever really, really got over it. She finally got over it enough to deal with it. And my dad said, well, if she's not happy, we have to accept that. So that's when I sell and I tell young ladies, I said, you know, we can go along and you think you got this relationship with your mother. You can be a yes daughter. And you, when you're a yes daughter, you have an invitation of a relationship. You don't have a real mother and daughter relationship. You just saying whatever it takes. You know, I see mothers and daughters when they come to me. And mother said, one mother said, you know, I talk to my daughter every day. I said, oh, really? Good. What are you talking about? You know, I call and check up on and see how the day was and stuff like that. Okay. But see, when we call and say, hey, baby, how was your day? You know, good. How was work? How's the children? That's surface talk. You need to get to what's on your heart. What can I help you with? What is it that you're dealing with that I can help you with? Let's have a conversation. I mean, go, going back, I mean, 
going back to that that child that was talking to her mother and trying to get to the bottom of it, I mean, what kind of advice would you give now to maybe a, a younger adult to have a conversation with a, a mother like yours that didn't maybe didn't really want to communicate too much? Well, that's one of two ways. With me, I had to use the attorney approach and I had to really debate it around and, and, and really had a difficult time. But I think what really brought my mother and I together with the conversation, I had to use, see, I was young in psychology back then, you know, trying to, I, I really was doing training more than I was doing sessions. And I would tell her, I said, mother, we can go on like this and we're going to miss something. You're going to miss the joy that I have for you. We've always had joy. You know, I've never missed a Christmas or a Thanksgiving or a 4th of July without my family. All of these years until this day, I have never missed one with my daughter and my family. So it was tradition. Do you want this to go on like this? Or can you just sit down and have an honest conversation with me? And that's how we kind of broke the barrier because she realized either it's me, the marriage, or the marriage without me. Which one is it going to be? We have to make a choice. I tell them there's nothing that should come between a mother and her daughter. Nothing. I don't care what it is. Sit down and talk about it. Because you know what? God chose you for that daughter and that daughter for you. And there's nothing you can do about it. You can't erase it. You can't change it. And you'll always be connected. If you don't speak to your mother for 40 years, every day you'll think about her. Every day you will think about your mother. Don't let your heart be hardened that you don't call her. So my advice, sit down. And, and I tell people, write a letter. If you can't get her to sit down and talk, write a letter. See, letter writing is, is old school now. Nobody wants to write. They want to text and they want to do it. Write a letter. And when you write a letter and a person has to sit and read that letter, they are reading the letter. They are listening to what you say all at the same time. And it's going to feed into their heart because they're going to say those words. Hi, mom. How are you doing? I just wanted to say this to you. As she reads that, you can feel it in your heart. Write that letter. Don't try to debate it on the phone. Now, when you can get to the point where you can have an honest conversation, I tell them, get to a table, get a three-minute timer. You get a pen and piece of paper. Your mom get a pen and piece of paper. Sit at the table. And said, you know what? There's some questions that I need to ask you and I want you to give me some answers. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to take three minutes to tell you how I feel about it. I'm going to ask you the question, tell you how I feel. The mother will say, okay, she will write her answers or anything she want to say without interrupting that conversation. That's why we can't get things done because everybody wants to interrupt. You say two words and they jump across something 20 years ago. Stay focused. Then when she finished, the mother will say to the daughter, Okay, now what I heard you say was this. Am I correct? And the daughter will say, yes. Now we know we're on the same thought plane. We have the same motions going. Okay, now she's going to take three minutes to explain exactly what happened or what she feels, how she feels about the situation. Then at the end, they're going to take three minutes to just say, okay, is there anything that we need to clear up? Did, did that answer your question? Next, and go to the next thing. And when you do that over a period of time, 
you chop off some of those hidden secrets. See, the, the, the relationship is bad because you have hidden secrets in your heart. You got things that you know about, but you don't want to say about it. And so you don't want to say it. So what happens is when you're around the person, your actions are evolving around the hidden secrets. You know, I, I think any, anyone listening right now can see your, your big why, why you do what you do and can hear the passion in your voice. And I'm assuming from when you got out of when you got out of college, right, and started building your practice, there had to be some kind of hurdles you've had to overcome to understand not just basically uh, what you learned of the conversation piece, but also, I mean, there's there's great people out there that probably have that conversation piece that can help in the kind of conversation. Yet the monetary aspect of it to stay afloat, to basically advertise, get people to know you by your brand. I mean, were any of those any kind of struggles or is it pretty, pretty straightforward for you? Oh, it's a lot of struggles. <laughs> I had a lot of struggles. First of all, when I decided I'm an old banker and I was a banker for 17 years. And, you know, in the course of being a banker, I realized this is not what I want to do. And I asked God in 1982, I said, if you help me achieve the goals that I want to achieve, I said, God, I'll let you use me. I said that because I was trying to bargain with God. I really was trying to bargain with him to get what I wanted, you know? And so God said, okay, I started school. And when I started, I started out for banking and finances and I'm gonna make this short. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me one day I had to, the, the struggle in the banking was I was always being uh, overlooked for promotions, even though I could do the work, even though I could run the bank for two weeks and no, no branch managers there, you know, but when it came promotions, I was always overlooked. And one day it hit me in, the, in, in my gut to the point where I said, you know what, I'm done with this. And I said, God, that's when I asked them to help me. And he said, well, why don't you go back to what you were supposed to do? And that was to be a psychologist. And I went to school. I went to school at night. I didn't have, I, I had the privilege to go before, but I got married at 18. And so all of my married life, you know, I was like, okay, that's 12 years. And then all of a sudden now I'm trying to go back to school. So I went to school at night. I finished my first degree in three years because I did an internship over the summer. I was running because I was struggling. I was behind. I knew I was off course and I was trying to get on course. And then I went to for my master's. I did that at night. Everything I've done was at night. Everything I've done, I paid for as I went along. I never had a, a um, um, student loan, any of those things. I just took courses and paid for them. My struggle was, because I'm not all that smart, my struggle was I got to pass these courses because I can't afford to pay for them again. So I pushed through all of that. And then I went into... Uh, a, a, a place called the Urban League. I don't know if you know about the Urban League and, and became uh, a counselor there in employment, but God sent me there to understand the community because I was in a strange town, just moved there a few years. And with that, my struggle became, I don't know if I can serve the community like you want me to serve. Because as an only child, I really was not good with groups. You know, being an only child, I struggled until I went to New Hampshire College to get a master's in community economic development. That's when I had to really face my demons as group because I was very selfish and I didn't realize I was selfish. You know, if I told somebody that I wanted them to do something, I expected you to do it because I said to do it. 
I didn't realize I had those issues. That was a struggle for me when I went to New Hampshire College. And you sitting in groups and you're talking about, we were in groups from people from all over the world coming out, trying to figure out how to set up economic developments for Africa and different countries. And when I make a suggestion and it was rejected, it really set me back because I wasn't used to that. Being an only child, you know, you don't have anybody to compete with. So I didn't realize until they told me in the group and one lady told me, she said, this is not about you. You cannot think that because you said something, the world is not evolving around you. What a wake up call. Did you get angry? What happened there? I didn't get angry. I was upset, but I went to another instructor. She's dead now. And I asked her, I said, I don't know how to deal with groups. I'm struggling with this group thing because I'm expecting them to do what I say. And she told me, she said, let me tell you about a group. She said, when you are in a group, you don't form the group. The group forms itself. And a good group leader stands behind the group with their arms out. And you lead the group from that position, not ahead of the group. And that clicked in my mind. And I've lived my life like that with the organization that I have now. It taught me. Your struggles come when you're out of order. See, when people are struggling, it's because of one or two reasons. Say, a lot of times people call it stress. I tell people, I can teach you how to be stress-free. You do not have to have another stressful moment in your life. Stress is something that you create. If you live in the right now, where you're sitting, Benny, right now, you are comfortable. You don't need anything at this moment. But the minute you start thinking about what you got to do in the next hour, the next week, and, 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 and all those pressure thoughts, you begin to stress and that's struggling because you're trying to go someplace that God didn't create you to be. God created you to be in the present. He didn't create you to live in your past. When you go to the past, now you're struggling because now you know, you're dealing with what they did to you, what they said, live right now. How are you doing right now? If you stay in the moment, you're stress-free. But don't you have to to plan for the future? I mean, when you even when you have a business, you have to know where your income's coming from and where your debt's going out, so you can survive for tomorrow and enjoy that tomorrow. That's true, but you can do that without a struggle, because when you plan, you says, "Okay, this is what I'm I'm doing. This is what I propose to do," and then don't worry about it. Just let it be. Because see, we have the power, we have the power and authority to speak things into existence. Either you're going to believe that or you're not. Because nothing is going to happen in your life until you say it's going to happen. Your business is not going to grow until you decide I'm going to the next level. Everything that happened in your life, God give you the ability to make the decision. And I tell people, God can't change what you said you will in your life because He said He wouldn't. So you've got the choice to will. That's why some people are more successful than others. People don't want to do the work. You've got to do the work. And the work comes from planning, yes, but the work don't come from worrying. Because you got to know if this is going to happen, it's up to me to make it happen. That's why when I go in, when I was young and I'd go and apply, I only had about three jobs. But if I decide I want something, I never think it's not going to happen. I walk right in there and say, this is my job. I walk right in there and say, this is my contract. I walk, people say, how do you do it? Because I decide it's mine before I get there. 
It's mine. I'm going to get this contract. And I had major contracts in training, major corporations. People couldn't understand where did you come from? Because it's like I came out of nowhere because I came out of bank and I wasn't known. And then all of a sudden I had this major training business in an office downtown and the staff, they couldn't figure out where did she come from? Because I know if I want something, I say it, I believe it, and it happens. And that's what I do. So when I start struggling in something and thoughts, I said, no, no. What am I going to do about it? I'm going to speak life into this. And I said, no, this is not going to happen. This is what's going to happen. And then I go on. I don't even worry about it anymore. Because to your words go before you. You have to say something to make it happen. You can't think it. You have to speak it. Now, if you believe in the higher power, you believe that this world was created by God, whatever your belief is, I tell you, whatever you believe, you will receive. Your faith comes from what you believe. So I believe that God spoke and the world was created. In the beginning was the word. And the word has power. That's why when I'm careful when I say something to somebody, because once you say it, then you cannot take it back. You can Once you let that word out of your mouth, it's like a bullet. It's going to hit that intended person's heart. And you can beg, cry, and apologize all you want. You cannot take it back. You both have to deal with it. So I tell people, be careful before you open your mind. It's best to just stop and don't say anything. Because once you say it, that's it. That's how powerful your words are. And your words will go forth and they will produce as you intended. So I tell people, you know, a lot of times I hear people say, well, it's this person. I could have been better off if it wasn't this person. They held me back. Or every time I turn around, they doing this and they change. And I tell them, you can do whatever they want to do. It's not going to affect my life. Yeah, I think anyone listening right now, I think that one of the big takeaways is the idea to have faith in yourself, have faith in your game plan. Know what you want to do and have faith in that. I mean, that's, I think that's I mean, the, the the very big takeaway, even if, if someone listening is maybe not religious, uh, maybe they believe in a higher power, whatever it might be. I mean, have faith in your decision and go full force into it. Right. And I'm not religious. Don't get that twisted. I'm not religious. Religious is a whole different kind of thing. I'm spiritual. Hmm. There's a spirit in us. That's how I, I, I live my life. There's a spirit in us that you can feel inside of you. That if you close your eyes, Benny, right now, Close your eyes and you will feel a human, you'll feel a spirit inside of you. See, you're, you're on the inside looking out of those eyes on the outside, but nobody knows who you really are on the inside but you. No, I mean, it definitely, definitely makes sense. If, if someone's listening right now and they're looking maybe to um, to follow, follow your story, see kind of what, what, what you could offer to them, basically... And I think a lot of this stuff is the mother-daughter avenue of having the communication. I mean, what's the best way of them kind of following you, following your story, uh, reaching out to you? Uh, they can go to my website, mdbn.org. That's mdbn.org. And of course, you can find me on YouTube, Dr. Bessie Fletcher, PhD. And you can find me on Facebook, um, Bessie Fletcher, PhD. I mean, it's just Bessie Fletcher. I'm sorry, on Facebook. 
But go to my website and you can get to those things, mdbn.org. And of course, I'm an open open book. There's an information thing there. You can call me. I have a number on the website. You can go on that number and call me. I don't have anything to hide. I mean, I'm here to help mothers and daughters. I do mother-daughter counseling all the time over the phone. You know, I do whatever it takes to help heal that mother-daughter relationship. Now, Vinny, you might say, why is that important, Dr. Bessie? Because if we don't heal the mother and daughter relationship, the family is weakened. Then Vinny is not the best man that he can be. Because it's because of your mother, that mother carried you nine months before you enter into the earth realm. Your dad don't get that nine months pleasure. He gets you when you come out. But mama have you for nine months. And those nine months, if she's happy, Vinny's going to be a happy baby. If she's sad, Vinny's going to be a sad baby. If she's tormented, then it's going to be tormented. You know, see people come out and people say, well, you know, I just don't know what's wrong with the baby. The baby crying all over. I said, well, how was your nine months? Did you have a peace for nine months? The baby is connected to you for nine months, eating, drinking, thinking, and hearing everything. That's why we're closer to mother. Men, you, I mean, everybody's mama, mama, mama. And they can't understand it. Why are they closer to mama? Because she had nine months. She had a jump on your daddy. <laughs> and that nine months, nobody can take that away. But she can make or break the human that she lived, delivered into the earth. And so it's important that mothers and daughters get along so and help each other heal. Because now I'm like with my daughter, I had to have a good relationship with her. And I'm talking about a relationship, honest relationship. And, and when we go through a disagreement, I'm not going to let that go to a height that we are not speaking for two or three days. I can't go 10 minutes without speaking to my daughter. First thing I say is, you know, when I feel it coming up in me, I want to be that mother and she's a grown woman. I say, you know what? Let's taper this and let's get back to it. Nine times out of tens, we never get back to it. But it's about the grandchildren, Benny. It's about your grandchildren. If you don't get it right with your daughter, your grandchildren will suffer because she don't have enough information to raise them as healthy grandchildren. That's the important part. Well, thank you again, Dr. Bessie, for being on the Roads Growth Podcast. I mean, yeah, I, I think all your your clients, all the people following you, I mean, they can hear the passion from every word you say. And I mean, I, I think for anyone out there that's that's looking to grow their business, grow their bond with their their mother, grow their bond with their daughter. I mean, it's really having a, a game plan. You know, even with the conversation you're saying of the one-on-ones where you write it down, having someone, some kind of game plan is going to help you out with any kind of avenue you're looking to get to. So thanks right. again, Dr. Betsy. Thank, thank you. And I just want to add one thing. You know, I've um, a lot of times people say, well, what about mothers and son? And I tell them, I have more sons call me because you know what? They have a wife and they have a daughter and they say, I need some advice. And I'm gonna give this one piece of advice that a gentleman called me. He said, I had some ladies that went to one of your workshops and they came back and they was all excited. He said, and I thought I wanted to call you to find out if you had any advice. I am a man with a wife and four daughters and I have no peace in my home. I can't watch the game. I can't watch golf, nothing. It's just like, it's what kid, what advice? And I said to him, Give them all a date. Give them a date. He said, a date? I said, yeah. Your wife said, baby, nine o'clock, after nine o'clock, that's our time. 
Each one of those daughters, you give them a day. Wednesday, your day's at seven, yours at on Thursday, whatever. I said, when you do that, you watch and see, you're gonna have too much time on your hand. Sounds simple, but he did it. Couple of weeks he called me, he said, you know what? I'm getting lonely. Nobody comes around me anymore. You know why? They don't have to compete for you. See, everybody's competing. When there's all, one man and all the women, they're all competing. When there's one boy and all girls, everybody's competing. But when you give them all their own specific times, they don't have to compete because they know what? I'm going to be with daddy on Wednesday night at seven. Daddy and I together every Wednesday night at seven. You know, I'm going to be with mama every Thursday at eight. They're going on about their business. I don't have to compete anymore. Because see, simple rivalry is the worst thing in a family. That's the one thing that I'd say is, if it's on a scale from zero to 10, I would say nine times out of 10. It's about you treat my brother better than you treat me. And they were mad from a little girl and it built and rolled up and rolled up and they always watching how mama treat the son. You treated him. He could get by with anything. And they harvard that. And when we get down to that, the mother say, what is that? Yes, I saw how you treated him. He could get by with murder, but you treated me bad. You didn't treat me good. And then we go from there. <laughs> and we go from there. Thank you, Dr. Betsy. Everyone listening, please subscribe, please share, follow Dr. Betsy. Hope to hear you on the next one. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.